Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. So the lender thinks that his check was deposited for $45,000 when in fact it was my check that was deposited for $45,000. Hey, this is Matt Cox. And I wanted to tell, uh, uh, do like a quick story. So about real estate, it's basically about a real estate transaction. And I'm only mentioning this because I have a buddy who is a pilot with uh should I, yeah, okay, with Spirit Airlines, I was gonna, I don't wanna say his name. He might get upset. Anyway, so he, he came, he flew into town the other day and we went and had lunch, right? And, and we were driving by a property that I used to own. And so I told him this story about the, I was like, oh yeah, it's funny. It's funny because the property's not there. They actually bulldozed. It was, it was a vacant lot. And I was telling him, I said, hey, I said, that vacant lot over there, I said, I used to own a house on that that I, I rehabbed and flipped it. And he said, uh, he goes, oh, well, who'd you sell to? I said, oh, I sold it to a lawyer. And I started explaining the whole thing. Well, when I was done with the explanation of how I got the house and the whole thing, he, at, when I finished up, he goes, bro, you need to tell that story. He said, that's actually super interesting. And I went, are you serious? Like, I, I don't, I didn't really think it was interesting. I was like, really? He's like, yeah, bro. It's like, it's, it's how this worked and that worked. I, I think it'd be interesting the way you structure that whole deal. He was actually pretty cool. He was actually pretty interesting. So I'm going to go ahead and tell that story real quick. And here's what happened. This would have been back in, gosh. So this is in Tampa, Florida, in an area of town that was next to the Crosstown Expressway. And you don't know Tampa, but that, that's, that's an important detail. So on one side of the Crosstown Expressway, Crosstown Expressway is essentially, it's an interstate. It's a private interstate. You know, it's a payroll, pay, uh, a, a pay road, but a toll road. What am I saying? A toll road. Anyway, so on one side of it is an area called Old Hyde Park, which houses that, let's say a 2,000 square foot house or shoot, a 1,000 square foot house, they're appraising for Three, four hundred thousand dollars. You can get a thousand square foot house, which is tiny, and it can appraise for four hundred thousand dollars. You get two thousand, might be going for half a million, or I'm sorry, it might be going for eight hundred thousand or a million dollars. And and shoot, the closer you get to the bay, because this is wedged in between the interstate that the Crosstown Expressway and the actual uh, the actual um, bay area, the actual bay. The closer you get to the bay, the more these things are going for two, three, four, five million dollars. But my point is that. I, this is back in 2002, I would say. And I was at that time, I owned a mortgage company. I was flipping houses and I was, gosh, I was doing all kinds of stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm running real estate scams. I'm doing just, it's, I mean, it's just a nightmare. Anyway, I was just being just complete knucklehead. So what ended up happening was this, I'm flipping properties. I also borrowed, I would borrow money from hard money lenders, which I've actually have a video about hard money lenders. And I would borrow money from hard money lenders because it's, I don't want to buy a property for a hundred or 200 or 50 or whatever, and then put my own money into it. I don't want to put my own money into it. I'd rather borrow the money. So if something goes wrong, it's his problem. Um, so here's, and it frees up your liquidity to do things with, to do other things with your, your money. Here, here's what happened is 
we used to borrow money from this guy all the, all the time named uh, Larry Balin. <laughs> it was Balin Lending, and he used to invest money for a there's a pension fund that I believe was connected to his law firm. He worked for some large law firm, and that was one of the ways that they invested their pension money. So Balin, we had borrowed I'd borrowed a ton of money from him. So one day Balin calls up. He talks to one of my he ends up talking to one of my partners, and he. And my partner didn't want to do whatever Balin was talking about. And I heard him say, tell Balin he wasn't interested. I said, well, what did Balin want? He goes, oh, he's got these two houses for sale. And so I call up Balin. I said, well, you just called up Robert. And he said he wasn't interested in the houses. What's going on? And he goes, look, I foreclosed on these two properties. I want $40,000 for each property. And I said, well, where are they? He gave me the addresses. And I said, oh, man, let me go look at them. So I drove by and I looked at both of them. One of the properties was wedged up right against the interstate, right against uh, the Crosstown Expressway. And I mean wedged up, like literally the, the dirt that comes off, the, the mound that comes off of the crosstown, like ended right at this house. I mean, you could hear the cars whipping by, but it was on the right, the correct side of old, in old Hyde Park. And it was only about 1,200, 1,300 square feet, tiny. He wants 40 grand for it. Listen, the fleas in this place were so bad when I walked into the house with my blue jeans it looked like I had, I, when I walked in and came back out, it actually looked like I had been walking in mud. That's how bad the flea infestation of this house was. It was disgusting. So, I mean, I'm literally, you're just, bam, just knocking off fleas, just thick with fleas. I don't know if where you live, if you have a flea problem, but fleas are bad in, in, in Florida. So I, I, I beat off my pants and I, I get in my car and I call Balin and then I go look at the other house and the other house is actually pretty good size. It was actually probably the main house was probably, I don't know. I want to say it was probably 1800 square feet, a decent sized house. And it had a little upstairs too. That was like 200 square feet, 300 square feet, a little tiny one bedroom. It was really an efficiency, more like an efficiency that had a, had a kitchen bathroom and, and a bedroom. So there's really an efficiency, not a one bedroom and you got to it. It was basically a duplex, uh, a top and bottom duplex. I looked at the place and it was on the other side of the interstate. So I was like, okay, okay. But both of these properties were within quarter of a mile to half a mile from all that from houses in old Hyde park. So I go up, call up Bailey. And I said, listen, man, I said, I'll take the houses, but the one that's right up against the interstate, I, I, I won't pay 40 for it. I'll, I'll do $30,000 and you have to finance it 100%. He says, no problem. I said, the other one I'll give you 44 because it's worth 40. And I said, okay. He, he said, okay. So he says, I'll give you the, uh, I said, you got to finance it hundred percent. He said, no problem. And he was like, do you need money for the rehab? I said, no, nah, I, I have money for the rehab. So, cause he actually didn't believe that the properties were worth very much at all. So he didn't really want to lend me much on the rehab. So I said, I got my own rehab money. So we go to, I go to closing it's funny because the, the way the way the taxes, uh, property taxes are paid in Florida, they're paid in arrears. And so when I actually went to closing, I actually walked away with a check. I bring nothing to closing. I sign the papers and then I walk away with a check for several hundred dollars for the taxes because a full tax year will be due in a few months. So they give me the the overage for those taxes. And of course I owe it at the, I would in three or four months, I would owe the rest of the money for the whole year. So I walk away with a few hundred bucks and 
I immediately take the house for $30,000. I call a real estate friend of mine up and I said, look, I need you to list this house for 40 grand on MLS. I'll give you $1,000. He goes, no problem. A couple of days later, I get a phone call from a realtor. I'm sorry, from a, an investor. And he says, you want 40 grand for that house? I said, that's right. I said, but you got to close in 10 days. He goes, no problem. He said, I'll buy it for $40,000. I said, great. We go to the closing, whatever. A week later, now I've actually only owned this house about 10 days at this point. Never made a payment. Walked At closing, I walked away with a check. So he buys the house for 40 grand. The realtor gets $1,000. Closing costs are maybe $1,000. Balin gets his $30,000 back. I walked away with a check for, I want to say seven grand, eight grand. So I walk away with a check for eight grand. It was 10 days. And okay, fine. So I make eight grand in, in 10 days. Only went in the house one time. Disgusting. So that was great. But the other house, I felt like I could, I could probably make some money on this house. Like that, like $8,000. I'm not saying $8,000 is nothing. That's decent money for, for an eight, eight days. That's not bad, but eh. So the, the other house, I definitely felt like it was, there was some money here, even though the interstate was in the way. So the, here's the, so anyway, the interstate was bought between old high park and the interstate. Well, I go to that house and I immediately refinance the house. So I get an appraiser to come in. Well, first thing I had to do was like, first thing I did with the house was I cleaned up the house. It, it looked like trash. I had a couple of guys come out, clean up the yard, mow the yard, throw away a bunch of crap in the backyard and the front yard. You know, the grass is growing up. It's ridiculous. It's, it's horrible. I put a new roof on the house and I had the outside of the house painted. I had the porch painted. Now, and, and there was a bunch of slats and wood damage and stuff that I had. So I put... I put probably five grand to five to 10 grand in the house within a month. So now, but now it looks pretty good from the outside. So I get an appraiser to come in and appraise the house. He comes in, he looks at the house. He says, okay, he walks inside. He says, man, this place is trashed. I said, yeah, you know, bro, I know it's trashed, but I need you to say on the appraisal that it's good, that it looks good. That's in fair condition. And of course, this is a guy who does a lot of appraisals from, for me. So we're cool. He kind of, I don't know. What was his name? I forget the guy's name. Nice guy. Anyway, he's like, and you're going to fix it up? I'm of course I'm going to, bro, come on. You can trust me. I'm going to fix it up. And I did fix it up. So he gives me this appraisal for the property of like, I forget what he gave it to me for like a hundred and something thousand dollars. Okay. Well, what ends up happening is I, so I refinance the property. I pull out some money and I pay off Balin. So Balin, literally, I haven't made one payment to Balin yet. So before his first payments due, I had already refinanced the house and Balin got all his money back. I've now got a, maybe $100,000 on the house. I probably walked away with maybe 50 or 60 grand. So I put 50 or 60 grand in the house. I throw a little bit more money into the house. I clean out the entire house. I put in hardwood floors. Uh, I fixed the windows. You know, it was... It was in an area that was, it was an area that was mixed use. So it was, there was some commercial buildings, but there were still residential buildings. Well, the house gets cleaned up pretty good. And it took a few months for me to do this. Probably, I probably worked on that house for about three months. Well, after the house is renovated, I have a, a guy, a realtor who's actually still a real estate agent in Tampa. So I'm not going to mention his name, but he comes in and he says, he says, uh, uh, 
Matt, you want to sell that house, right? And I was like, yeah. He said, I got a, a guy. I got this guy who's a, a lawyer who wants to buy the house. And I went, okay. He said he just graduated, uh, just graduated with his law degree, just passed the bar. He was actually working for like a law firm, but he just became a lawyer, like just passed the bar. I don't know. He was working as an intern or something. I don't know. Super nice guy. So we go, we walk through the whole place and he says, look, I'm going to use this, this property as my law firm. And I went, okay. And I, he said, I said, look, you know, he goes, what do you want for it? And I think I said, I wanted, I forget what I said. Um, I just remember we made like a hundred grand on the house. I want to say I sold it for $280,000. So I told him that I wanted that I wanted to make like one, no wait, I'm sorry, that I wanted to make like, I was supposed to walk away with like 200 and like 230 grand because that way I was still making like $100,000, something like that. So I was like, look, I need to walk away with this much money. He goes, okay, he said, listen, here's the problem. He goes, I, I don't have a down payment. Like I have very little money. I'm starting my own business. He said, but I have good credit. And I went, okay, okay. So he said, and the real estate agent, my re- the realtor was there. He's like, yeah, bro, I know you can fix it up. I know you can work with this. You can do something. And I was like, okay, I can figure this out. Here's what I'll, I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Um, he had been working for the law firm, so he had good employment. So I said, all right, you got good employment. So, or I'm sorry, you got, he's got good credit and he's got good employment, but didn't have the down payment. So, but he did have, he did have like a, a, a bank account. Um, with like SunTrust or somebody. I forget exactly who it was, but with SunTrust or someone like that. So what we did was we, I had him get me his last two months bank statements and I altered the bank statements to show that he had 50,000 in the bank. Then I had him go get a check for like $5,000 or something for his, the, the, the five, uh, for like a, for like five grand a cashier's check. So he gets a cashier's check for like five grand. So we take, we take the $5,000 cashier's check and we deposit into the, the title company. So he still owes $45,000 for his down payment, essentially. His, his, basically his, his down payment is basically like 20%. And he's buying this house owner-occupied. So keep in mind, too, this is a lawyer who knows he's committing, he's committing uh, bank fraud. He's faking his down payment. He knows he's faking his down payment. He knows that he's also... Um, committing what's called owner occupancy fraud, which means you're saying you're going to live in a house that you have no intention of living in. So he ends up, he ends up giving me five grand for his, his down payment. So, or sorry for his, like a, an earnest deposit. So we put that into the title company. Then I have him go get like the day uh, or then I have him go get after, after we do the appraisal, he gets another check and I'll explain how that worked. So what I do is I submit him to a lender and they're like, Hey, he's got like 700 credit scores. He has been on his job. So he, and, and he makes de- decent enough money, not great, but decent enough. Like he wasn't a lawyer at that time. He was just kind of like an intern or, or well, whatever. He was working as a paralegal or something. So he's doing okay. So, but he had enough money to, to, um, he had enough, he, he made enough money to debt, what's called debt to income ratio, made enough money to qualify for the, the mortgage. Provided he put down 
The bank statements that I provided make it, made it look like he has the 20%. He's already put down $5,000, which was honestly like all the money he had. But it doesn't appear that way on the bank statements. Well, so now we have to order the appraisal. He's already got a pre-approval. We have to order the appraisal. So we order the appraisal. But this time when the appraiser comes out, I say I need it to appraise at 280. Now, my appraiser is like, man, I just appraised this thing at like one at 150,000 or 120,000, whatever he had brought it into a month or two, 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 three months earlier. And I was like, I know, but I need to come in at 280. And so I tell him, I need you to use the comparables for the properties on the other side of the interstate in Old High Park. And he's like, I can't jump the interstate. And there's a problem with jumping a, a main thoroughfare uh, or you know a, a major body. And like an interstate or the toll road or toll interstate or whatever you want to call it is, a, is an issue. And he, and he was like, I can't do that. And I explained to him just to give me the appraisal. Well, he, he can do it, but he was saying it'll be an issue. So he gives me the appraisal, but there's this, the interstate's running through it. So I actually take, back then you actually got, and I'm, I mean, you still do, you actually get a, a map of the area, right? It's like a drawn out map of the area. So I went through and I removed the interstate because when they review the appraisal, they're going to have a problem that this interstate is here. The, the underwriters are going to look at the appraisal. They'll be like, yeah, there are three comparables. And yes, it's worth 280. But the issue here is that all the comparables are half a mile away on the other side of an interstate. So I went in and I cut and pasted out the interstate. So I removed the interstate and I put a couple of houses there and I removed the whole thing and I put it back into the appraisal and I send them the appraisal. They end up doing what's called a, what was called a desktop review where they only really what they check is, are these houses in the area? Do, do they substantiate the value of this home? So they did a, a desktop review and they said, yeah, it's clearly worth $180,000. So the day of closing... So the appraisal passes. My, my lawyer client passes. He doesn't have his down payment though. So the day of closing, I, he has to come up with a check for, let's say, $45,000. I'm paying all of his closing costs in the contract, which is perfectly legal. But he's supposed to come show up with, let's say, for the sake of argument, forty five grand, which is his like 20% down payment, roughly. So I tell him, go get me a check for you know, like $45, you know, whatever the exact amount was, 40, $45,212. So I tell him, go give me a check for $45 and, you know, 200 or, or, or $2 or just 45 bucks, whatever. So he goes and he gets a cashier's check for that amount from his bank account. I take the cashier's check and I change it so that it shows that it looks like the $45,212 or whatever it was supposed to be that he's supposed to show up at the closing for for his down payment. I then go to my bank and I get a cashier's check for the exact same amount. I then make a copy of his cashier's check that was taken from his bank account, um, but the altered one, and I send it to the lender. I give it to the, uh, or I send it to the lender. 
I then deposit my cashier's check from my bank with the correct amount, and I ask the title company for a letter showing that the money was deposited. They show that it's deposited. I mail, send that off to the title, to the, the lender. So the lender thinks that his check was deposited for $45,000 when in fact it was my check that was deposited for $45,000. They can't call and check with his bank. They can't get a copy of his bank statements. Plus it doesn't matter. I've already given him copies of the bank statements showing that he's had this money in the bank for several months. So they believe it's his money. Then we do the closing, all the title work, or I'm sorry, all the closing statements show that he put down $5,000. They have the cashier's check. That was a, two weeks ago. It shows that he put down an additional $45,000. They have the cashier's check. You can see it. They have a letter from the title company, plus they have the closing statement that shows he put down $45,000. We go to closing. We sign the document. I, of course, get a check back for $150,000 or $160,000 or whatever it was. And of course, 50,000 of that was the down payment that had, had come from me anyway, with the exception of the 5,000. I think he did put down 5,000 and he put down a little bit, not much though. Um, so I end up making about $100,000 on that transaction. Here's the funny thing about that. Like that guy literally moved into that property. Sorry, moved in. He moved his law office into that property. He put a... He put like a parking lot in the back, you know, like an asphalt parking lot in the back of it, ran his law firm out of that, out of that building for like 18 years and only about four or five, maybe six months ago, bulldozed the whole thing and it's a vacant lot now and they're about to build something brand new there. The guy stayed there the whole time, made all the payments. He's actually a super, became a very successful attorney. But that whole transaction is, is fraud. Like that whole transaction's fraud. But he made all the payments. Now, you know, so anyway, my buddy, when I was talking, he's like, bro, that's interesting. Like the way, you know, you did all that to come up with this, to get the money, to do this, and that it was a lawyer. The thing is, though, like he, I remember saying to him, well, he, I'm like, why? Because he's a lawyer. He's like, yeah, because people wouldn't think a lawyer would do that. I was like, are you serious? I've done fake loans for Tampa police uh, officers, for sheriff's deputies, for lawyers, for doctors. I mean, I've done for all kinds, all those all kinds of people that you would think would never be involved in something like that. I've done CPAs. Um, I've done all kinds of uh, tax attorneys. Uh, I've done all kinds of fraudulent. So th this guy, it, it didn't even phase me. But what's interesting about it is, yeah, it was fraud, but the guy did make all of his payments. I mean, it's still fraud, but the guy made all of his payments and supposedly probably paid off the loan. It was a 30-year mortgage. He probably paid it off a long time ago or refinanced it or whatever he did. Uh, yeah, so anyway, I thought that'd be an interesting story. My buddy was like, bro, you got to do something. Like that. It's super interesting that the, the way you did this and did that. I didn't think it was that interesting, but whatever. So the point is, if you like the video, do me a favor and subscribe to the sta uh, station. <laughs> do me a favor and subscribe to the channel. Uh, hit the bell. Hit the uh, notification button. Bell. Notification bell. It's a notification bell. Um, share the video. Leave a comment for the algorithm. And send the, send the video to like five or ten of your friends. Tell them about me because I'm all right. And tell them to check out the channel. And see ya.